Welcome back to the Most Sacra Podcast. My name is Anthony Stolzer, joined as always by my partner in crime, John Paulson. How are we doing this week, JP? Doing all right. Uh, week 14, uh, getting into the last week of the season or maybe the playoffs, but uh, ready to talk some football today. I can't believe that some people are in their playoffs already for you know fantasy. You, you, you still have, you're still dealing with bye weeks. It seems kind of early. Yeah, I think people are just had their settings set from last year uh, where everything was 14, 15, 16. Uh, but I think most leagues, the commissioner was sharp enough to uh, change that to 15, 16, 17, which, you know, the extra week for the season. Somebody asked me about, uh, you know, a buddy of mine asked me yesterday, and we'll get into this a little bit later. He's like, he's like, do I, do I take, you know, I, do I roll the dice with Dalvin Cook or do I, uh, do I just play like Michael Gallup? And I'm like, uh, I would go with Dalvin Cook. Thankfully, I gave him that piece of advice, um, or else that would have been a disaster. So uh, well, we'll get into Dalvin Cook a little bit later on in our podcast, Thursday Night Football. Before we dive into the injury news, though, tell us about the music. Yeah, this is a band called Repeat Repeat, and actually it starts with a star, like uh, the star that's over the eight, number eight key on your keyboard. But it's a uh, star, the Repeat Repeat, the name of the track is Dearly Departed. It's from the 2021 EP. It looks like they released a number of singles this year uh, in lieu of an album, but they have a couple albums out as well. Uh, good, uh, good rocking tune uh, today. All right, Justin Fields likely starting in Week 14 for the Bears. How does this impact Chicago's offense? Yeah, I was looking up his uh, splits, I suppose you're called, or the target distribution with Fields um, on Fields passes. And uh, you know, I, I, Allen Robinson is supposed to be back this week. I don't think we're actually slated to talk about him today, but uh, he's back uh, apparently against the Packers. Uh, but Darnell, Darnell Mooney has been the wide receiver one there the entire year and if you're if you have him he had kind of a quiet week last week but I think he's a fairly safe start I mean the Packers have a good defense um uh, but Mooney has been targeted on almost 27 percent of fields passes this year so changing from I think he's got like a 8.3 yards per attempt uh when when he's targeted so uh, I think Mooney's fairly safe if you're looking for a wide receiver two wide receiver three type uh start this week Tony Pollard has a torn plantar fascia in his left foot, and uh, torn plantar fascia, I believe it's. This is this is why I'm not in the medical field, John. But he's got a problem with his left foot. It's considered a game time decision for Week 14, though he did not practice on Wednesday or Thursday. This, I, I know, I, even though I can't say it, John, I know the injury is pretty is pretty bad. I, I know it affects a lot of baseball players because it impacts their balance. So it doesn't sound good for Tony Pollard this week, or in quite frankly, in upcoming weeks. That's why you're not in the medical field because you can't pronounce the. That's the, correct. That's was the only the nothing reason. Nothing else. Not. That was the it's, <laughs> it's not like the ten years of college or anything like that. It's just right. because I can't I can't say plantar fascia or whatever. <laughs> I think it's fascia. Um, this is uh, I, I'm starting to think he's not going to play. They, they keep calling him a game time decision, but we'll, we should know more today. Uh, it sounds like it's kind of painful, uh, and if he's out, like it was looking like Pollard might be a league winner type uh, with. Ezekiel Elliott dealing with a knee injury, but Elliott uh, is practicing fully now, and he says that uh, he'll be pain free in three to four weeks apparently. But he's feeling good and is, you know, is going to play this week. So, if Pollard is out, then you're looking at Elliott with a, a giant workload, I would think, this week, uh, uh, and he'd be a, a near RB one start at that point because you're, you know, he he was a, a top five guy not too long ago, and. Uh, the, the problem has been that Pollard has been eating into his workload and he's been a little bit banged up. But if Pollard's out of the way, then, uh, you know, you can fire up Zeke. 
Kenyon Drake sticking with running backs is done for the season. Jalen Rashard is still on the COVID list. Is Josh Jacobs a must start against the Chiefs? Josh Jacobs has kind of dealt. He's kind of had kind of a lost season. Yeah, we've had him ranked as a like a low end RB two most weeks because he's been splitting time and the uh, Vegas running game has not been all that effective. He wasn't very involved as a receiver, but uh, with Drake out of the way, uh, Rashard. Uh, likely out this week. You know, Peyton Barber is probably going to be Jacobs' backup, and you know we saw a giant workload for Jacobs last week. And uh, moving forward, I think he's a low end RB one uh, should be ranked as such. And it's not a great matchup against the Chiefs. The Chiefs are playing a little bit better uh, defensively, uh, but Jacobs is if he's going to be involved as a receiver like he was last week, then I think he's uh, you know a very valuable start. Melvin Gordon has been limited in practice Wednesday, was limited in practice Wednesday, Thursday. If he's back in the lineup, what should fantasy managers do with Javante Williams, who's coming off uh, a, a really nice game? And, you know, he was really only Den- – he was Denver's only offense last Sunday night. Yeah, he had a huge game, and fantasy managers are really wanting to see what he can do without Gordon in the lineup. I think Gordon apparently is aware that fantasy managers aren't very happy with him. Um, being back in the lineup, but he's going to come back and do his thing. Uh, I think with Williams, he's got 20 points or more in back-to-back games and half PPR. Uh, so even if Gordon is back, I think you're still looking at Williams as a pretty solid RB, high-end RB2 uh, against Detroit uh, at home. I think it's a very good matchup for him. And yes, he's going to lose some carries to Gordon, but he should still, you know, get that 12 to 15 touches, and he's proven that he can be very productive in, in those t- sorts of touches. Elijah Mitchell missed practice Wednesday, missed practice on Thursday s- since he's dealing with the concussion protocol, dealing with a knee injury as well. He had an MRI on the knee that showed some irritation, but otherwise came back clean. If he can't play, what does the San Francisco back backfield look like in Week 14 when they take on the Cincinnati Bengals? Yeah, we should know more today whether or not Mitchell might be able to play or if he's going to be ruled out. Uh, apparently, Joe uh, Wilson is the uh, Jeff Wilson is the lead back. Is a front runner for the one of the beat writers said he was a front runner to be the lead back this week. Jamichael Hasty uh, would be his backup. Um, Wilson has not like run the ball very well this year. He's not having he's not rolling like he had been in years past. But he he'd be a decent start. I, I think I'd have him ranked in the like the 20 to 25 range once I take uh, Mitchell out of the rankings if I do that today or tomorrow. Uh, and Hasty, if he's – we're just not sure what the split would be, but it looks like Wilson would be the starter and Hasty be the, the third down back. Um, and then Debo Samuel is still out. We'll talk about him in a bit, but that opens up some carries as well. Um, if, if Samuel is back, then you're looking at Samuel is maybe getting 5 to 10 – carries because he, he has run the ball quite a bit but uh in, in the event that samuel's out you're probably looking at uh wilson with 10 to 15 touches and a use check involved and then hasty with you know maybe five to ten touches all right joe mixon has mispracticed the last two days so he mispracticed on wednesday and thursday with a non-covid related illness doesn't seem too serious john are you concerned at all yeah, if it's non-COVID, I feel like he's got a good chance to play. Typically, when players miss uh, with an illness early in the week, they're back by Sunday. Uh, it, there does seem to be flu going around. Uh, we did have uh, Lamar Jackson uh, miss a game uh, due to illness, uh, but we'll see if, if Mixon is able to get back. They play late on Sunday uh, against the 49ers, so hopefully we know uh, 
hopefully he's back in practice today, and if not, he's feeling better by Sunday. All right, Mark Ingram was placed on the COVID list. Doesn't sound good. A- any thoughts on the Saints' backfield situation, whether or not we're going to see Alvin Kamara play against the Jets? Yeah, I was ready to rank Kamara more in the teens and you know maybe in that 12 to 14 range uh, this week with Ingram back and Taysom Hill, who's not real you know, Kamara friendly, I guess, or running back friendly, uh, in new Orleans compared to some of the other quarterbacks they've had there, especially Drew Brees who would pepper Kamara with, with targets. But with Ingram out, you got Tony Jones sort of back in the mix, but you also have, uh, Ty Montgomery out. Uh, so there's some receptions there available. So, you know, Kamara, I think is a, a strong play. I think he's back in the top five. They're, they're just running out of bodies there. And if he's back in the lineup, then he's probably going to be, uh, seeing 20-plus touches uh, this week. Uh, so uh, it's a nice matchup as well against the Jets, and uh, I think Kamara will be productive in his first game back. DeAndre Swift, fantasy managers, looking forward to his return. Might not be this week, though. Missed practice on Wednesday and Thursday with the shoulder injury. Jamal Williams is in line for another 15-plus touches this weekend against the Broncos. Where where do you have Williams ranked? Yeah, he's uh, lower than last week. I thought he might be more of a bell cow in that offense, but they got their other running backs involved, and he ceded some touches to those guys. Uh, I still think he will be the lead back and probably will have a bounce-back game maybe as a receiver. And, and maybe catch a few more passes than he did last week. But, uh, yeah, you're looking at him as like a low-end RB, too. The, the Lions just don't scare, score many touchdowns and certainly not many rushing touchdowns at this point with, with Swift out. Chase Edmonds has been designated to return. What sort of workload are you expecting for him in his first game back? Uh, James Conner's played really well in his you know absence, and you know Edmonds was seeing 15-plus touches uh, prior to starting, you know, he got banged up with, I think, a shoulder injury, and then he uh, injured his ankle. Uh, I think in this first game, you're probably going to see Connor still almost bell cow type touches, probably lead back type touches, where there's, he's seeing 15 to 20. Uh, he's getting the goal line. Maybe he doesn't, he's not as involved as a receiver as he has been. Uh, and Edmonds takes over that role. Uh, like he had earlier in the year, uh, but I just don't. I don't think Edmonds is going to see return to that sort of usage that he saw uh, immediately. It might take a few weeks if he's going to get that back to that usage at all. Alex Collins is back at practice while Adrian Peterson was held out Wednesday and Thursday. The Seattle running back situation has, has largely been a mess this season. Seattle can't push the ball because their their offensive line isn't very good. How how would you size thing up things up for Seattle as they head to Houston? I would try not to be starting too many Seattle uh, running backs. Uh, sometimes you have to. Uh, I think it's good for Collins that Peterson's being held out and maybe he doesn't play. He's on the practice squad, so they may not call him back up to play. I think they wanted to get him that touchdown. and I don't know. It was kind of a weird situation. But uh, Travis Homer was uh, did not practice today. DNP, I believe it was today or it was yesterday. Uh, so he might be out. You've got Collins with Rashad Penny probably. And then DJ Dallas is the third back. Uh, I think, you know, Collins and Penny will probably do what uh, Penny and uh, Peterson did last week, which they each saw about nine or ten touches, unless one of them really gets rolling. Randall Cobb had had core muscle surgery. How does this impact the Green Bay wide receiver core? I think if uh, Valdez Scantling is on your uh, waiver wire, he's worth a pickup. If you look at what he's done over the last couple of weeks, I think it's 19 targets. Uh, number two in air yards in that span, I believe. And then 
if you go back to the beginning of the year, how much they were targeting him downfield. He was one of the air yards leaders early in the season before he got hurt. Uh, Cobb being out just opens up snaps for Lazard and for Valdez Scantling. To, so they're instead of playing 60, 50, 60 percent of the snaps, they're playing 80 percent or more. And uh, that obviously increases their opportunity number of routes they run and chances they have. So with Cobb out, you just I think it just mostly goes to uh, Lazard and especially uh, MVS. Uh, going through a lot of other or some other wide receivers that are facing some injuries for week week 14. Keenan Allen and Mike Williams are on the COVID list, but both players reportedly have a chance to get cleared to play before this this weekend. If they can't go, are any of the Chargers receivers startable this week? It sure seems like Mike Williams is more likely to play than Keenan Allen. Typically when a player, I think Keenan Allen tested positive, so when that happens, it's hard for them to get their two negative tests uh prior to Sunday. So I'm assuming that both players are out right now, but Williams apparently has been testing negative. He was a close contact and is uh, unvaccinated. So that's why he's on the list and uh, he has to continue to uh, test negative. I think after a certain point, I think it's Saturday that he can be uh, reactivated from the COVID list. If he's continues to be uh, free and clear of the virus. Uh, And if he's in and Allen is out, then you're looking at Williams as a, a player that's probably going to see eight, 12 targets uh, with Allen out because Allen has seen double digit targets pretty frequently. Uh, they've got Jalen Guyton there. We got Josh Palmer. Uh, Palmer played a bit more in the slot than did Guyton, um, but it's not like a whole lot more. So I don't know how they're going to replace Allen specifically, but Guyton has been ahead of Palmer. I would assume that he would continue to be ahead of Palmer and maybe they would run Palmer out there in three wide receiver sets. You could also look at, uh, Jared Cook, uh, especially if Williams is out, you know you got Guyton, Palmer, and probably Jared Cook and Austin Eckler picking up the slack. Elijah Moore is one of the only reasons to uh, pay attention to the Jets this year, John. But unfortunately, <laughs> of course, for Jets fans, he's mispracticed this week. He's dealing with a quad injury. Corey Davis is out for the year. I think I think I got. I'm going to just keep my phone on. Uh, I'm 39, and I um, I'm not that fast, but I'm just going to keep my phone on because oh. I think the Jets are going to call me at some point. What's what's the Jets wide receiver core looking like this week, and, and where am I in your rankings? Yeah, you're, we'd have to get through a long list in order to get to you, I think. But, um, uh, but you know, you're leaving out my man uh, Michael Carter, who's going to come back next week. I think uh, we'll see. Uh, but he, you know, he was a, he was an interesting Jet this year. Uh, hopefully, he can be the, down the stretch as well. But Moore has really come on. Uh, it lo- he looks right now, as of right this very second, it looks doubtful with the two mispractices, but we'll see what he's able to do today, if anything. If he's back, it's uh, in a limited capacity, and he might be back on track to play. If he's out today, then you probably have to count him out with Corey Davis out as well. I know they reactivated uh, or they activated uh, Keelan Cole off the – was it the COVID list? He, anyway, he's back. Um, Jamison Crowder, you know, Denzel Mims, Braxton Berrios, that's who you're dealing with at, at receiver. I think Crowder is probably the most interesting – player he's going to avoid Marshawn, uh, Marshawn Lattimore and uh, the the matchup is pretty good against the Saints all, all things considered um, you just it's hard to ever trust Cole or, or Mims for that matter at this point but Crowder t- tends to see that six to eight targets at least and, and deliver a pretty good PPR game I think he can this week Debo Samuel continues to miss practice with his groin injury doesn't look like he's going to play on Sunday against San Francisco against uh, Cincinnati does it John yeah, the groin is a tricky one as well. 
to recover from and not re-aggravate. It just seems like it happens all the time. So uh, if he's if he's out, uh, I still like Brandon Ayuk. He didn't have a very good game last week, but I, I would I'd roll him out there as a wide receiver three and and hope. And I think George Kittle sees a ton of targets like he did last week. It was really the George Kittle show. Um, and uh, without their running backs, it's going to be even more uh, of a onus for them to to get their receivers involved. So I, I feel pretty good about Ayuk and very good about Kittle if, if Samuel continues to sit. Julio Jones practiced again on Thursday, though he's still on the IR, so he hasn't officially been activated yet. If he is activated, can you trust him against the Jaguars? I, I, w- I would assume so. He's Julio Jones against the Jaguars, but things haven't really been been uh, great in his first season with Tennessee. <laughs> you say, you're saying things aren't, haven't been clicking for Julio Jones this year? <laughs> I, uh, I I really like Julio as a, fa- look, as a Falcon too. fan, but I'll tell you what, I'm not I'm not overly upset that things haven't worked out for him in Tennessee after, after his, his exit from Atlanta. Yeah, you were. I understand that you have personal feelings about the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, also, you know, you just were expecting as, as you know, fantasy managers that Julio would have a better season than he's had, and this whole t- Titans offense would be better than it is. But I think, you, I mean, trust is a strong word. I say that sometimes. When you're like, can you trust so and so? Well, it's Julio, and it's since the hamstring, and um, he is just a high upside player still. I think you. If you if you look at the wide receiver rankings this week and you get into the 30s and you're just like, well, you know, do I want to start, you know, Russell Gage, who's had some good games but isn't maybe as explosive, or somebody like Julio Jones? Um, you can make certainly make the case with A.J. Brown out, a pretty good matchup against the Jaguars. He does have a good quarterback in Ryan Tannehill that uh, he could have a big game. So um, it depends on your situation at, at receiver, but it's always exciting to start Julio Jones until he, you know, pulls up lame in the middle of the first quarter. Yeah, uh, I, I, it's just, it's just, it's his history, right? And and yep. when you're looking at injuries, you got to look at previous previous injuries, and he's dealt with injuries uh, throughout his entire career. Sterling Shepard might be back this week. Is he startable though against the Chargers? I think he might be. This is another, you know, short week with uh, four teams on by. Uh, Shepard has been really productive this year when he's been active, and Kadarius Tony appears to still be out. Galladay's banged up, um, so he's he's a viable start certainly in PPR formats. He's been just more productive than he's he's almost like the new uh, Larry Fitzgerald, where he just always uh, exceeds his draft position. Although this year with the injuries, I don't th- you know he may not. Shepard was going very late in drafts, but when he's been out there, he's been you know soaking up seven to ten targets a game and, and been pretty productive. So I think he is sort of startable. It's not a great magic matchup against the Chargers, but if you're desperate, he's not a bad dart throw. T.J. Hawkinson mispractice on Thursday with a hand issue. The Lions do play late on Sunday, so it makes it a tricky situation for fantasy managers that do have T.J. Hawkinson. What's your best advice though? He was uh, had a hand injury as of Wednesday, but he was limited. So Thursday he sat out. I'm interested to see what happens today with him. Um, if he's a, did not if he's a DMP again uh, today, then I would consider him very questionable for the uh, Sunday game unless we get some information uh, ahead of time. And it's a late game, so owners would or fantasy managers would need to pivot to or have a pivot available if they want to wait on Hawkinson. Uh, there are a number of uh, tight ends that you could stream this week. Darren Waller missed Wednesday and Thursday practice with back and knee issues. Doesn't sound good for fantasy managers that do have Darren Waller on their roster and need him. Uh, what's what's your advice to them? Uh, 
I don't know. Uh, <laughs> if you if you had Waller and you're missing him, it's hard to replace that sort of production. I think Foster Moreau, you had one catch for 34 yards uh, last week. He had a big game the previous week that, not the previous week that Waller got hurt, but the previous week that Waller was out. He had six for 60 and a touchdown earlier in the season. So I still think you can run him out there. He's always a threat for a touchdown, even when Waller is active. Uh, but there's just you can maybe look at Ricky Seals Jones or somebody like that, maybe coming back from injury if you know with Logan Thomas out. But um, you just have to hope that he plays, and if he doesn't, have a have a another decent option. And there's like I said, there are a number of guys you can stream. All right, let's get into the Thursday night football game. What a what an absolutely wild game for multiple reasons. Uh, st- you know, starting off with the fact that Dalvin Cook was a game-time decision. It, the reports were very good that he would play, though, leading up to kickoff. Not only did he play, Dalvin Cook absolutely went off. 27 carries, 205 yards, two touchdowns in the victory for the Vikings. He was targeted three times, only caught one pass for 17 yards, but wound up being a huge first down for the Vikings as they were trying to bleed clock. Uh, Kirk Cousins mixed mixed game as always for Kirk, although he's he's put up really good numbers this year. It's just, you know, it's Kirk Cousins. Mm-hmm. Uh, 14 of 31, 216 yards, two touchdowns, made a, a, a key run on a, in a fourth quarter. Uh, to pick up a first down, like I mentioned, with the t- the um, the throw to Dalvin Cook, but he had two picks and he kept the Steelers in the game. So it's just it's always the yeah, but with Kirk Cousins, um, Osborne was the the main receiver for the Vikings. He caught three passes for 83 yards with Adam Thielen being out. Uh, Justin Jefferson saw 15 targets, caught seven of them for 79 yards and a touchdown. So really good game out of him. I only start with with Minnesota, John, because that's uh, you know they they won they won the game and Dalvin Cook. I mean. Ranking Dalvin Cook, given all the uncertainty yesterday, what what was your kind of process with that too? Yeah, I mean the 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 Vikings get to go first because they won, yeah. so they that's why we're talking about first. Otherwise, as a Packer fan, I would like to talk about them, but not at all. I'd like to not talk about the Vikings at all. Uh, Makes sense with Cook. Uh, that was you know the thing that sort of took over the fantasy Twitter for, you know, most of the afternoon as everybody was trying to give their takes on whether or not uh, Cook would be really productive. I mean, I think everybody was surprised that he played uh, given the nature of the injury and then the fact that if they had sat him again and Madison had gotten another start, then then he would have had another 10 days to heal and be ready for the next game. But um, Cook was ready to play and came out and tore it up. Uh, I think Madison would have also had a great game if he, given the size of the holes that the offensive line were opening and the Steelers. Remember when the Steelers had a good rush defense? Yes. That was yeah, no not kidding. that long ago. But um, So for me, it was looking at Cook and what they had done in the past with him when he's been active and they've typically fed him. He doesn't typically have you know a 10-carry game unless he gets injured in the middle of the game. So if you had – I ranked him 12 and a half PPR. Um, he initially came in around 7 uh, when I just gave him his uh, usual work, but I thought that they might uh, hold him back on passing downs and have Madison out there uh, or another player out there, maybe the fullback out there, um, pass blocking because you know that that takes a lot of stress on the shoulder. And if he's trying to fight off linebackers uh, with that shoulder, I thought they might keep him out of those situations. So maybe cut back on the number of catches that he would have. And he did only have one catch for 17 yards. I don't know. I haven't looked at the snaps and to see if he's out there on a lot of third downs or not, but um, 
So that's why I ranked him where I ranked him. I did not foresee 27 carries for 205 yards and two touchdowns. I did get into a funny exchange with a, a Twitter follower that, uh, you know, I retweeted uh, Schefter's uh, tweet where he said that he went for 130 and two touchdowns um, in a playoff game, you know, playing with a dislocated shoulder. And the guy like said, well, he's not going to do that. Like, there's no way. Like, he's not even come close to that. And I said, well, you're really going out on a limb saying that you're, he's not going to do 130 and two touchdowns. <laughs> and then he, did, he like, misunderstood it. And he's like, well, if you're really confident, let's bet on it. And I'm like, I'm not betting on it. I'm just saying that like, you're, not, you're not going out on a limb. And then I saw <laughs> – so then I went back to him just to like, you know, make a smiley face emoji or whatever with yeah. him. And he was laughing. He's like, maybe I should take the over on that. Um, cause he had such a wild, uh, fantasy day. But I think that was one of these where you just sort of expecting, you know, he's, he's one of the top five, top three fantasy running backs. And if he's active, you kind of have to start him, which is why I ranked him at 12 and, you know, not too many players. I don't think too many, uh, fantasy managers would be, you know, have two or three options better than cook. Uh, for their lineup, and um, it certainly worked out for those managers. And I think Madison just basically has done not much of anything when Cook has been active, unless those unless there's a particular game where he's gotten you know injured uh, mid game, and then Madison came in and closed things out and was productive. But typically, he just doesn't get a lot of touches, and he only saw uh, six carries, uh, even though he you know was running for 4.5 yards per carry, had a nice 14 yard run fairly early in the game, and um, didn't see a whole lot of work otherwise. All right, let's get into the Steelers aspect. It's, it was a tale of two halves, especially for Ben Roethlisberger. I was looking at, uh, you know, the, the, if you watch the game, the, the game did not unfold, uh, did not start well for the Steelers. Not only did they trail 20, 29 to nothing at one point, um, but Big Ben was seen on the sidelines. He was agitated. He, you know, he was clearly unhappy. It's Morton's with Mike Tomlin, and you know, he was he was basically a punching bag in the first in the first half. Uh, but then he comes out in the second half and he absolutely rips it up. He winds he winds up with a pretty good night. He's twenty eight of 40, 308 yards, three touchdowns, one pick. Nearly leads the Steelers to at least a two point conversion attempt. Um, but tight end Pat Pat Fryermuth couldn't hang on to a ball that was contested uh, on the last on the last second drive there or the last second throw for Roethlisberger. So the Steelers wind up losing. Najee Harris pretty nice night. Twenty carries, ninety four yards, and a touchdown. Didn't really get involved too much in the uh, passing game, but he did score a touchdown on three catches for 10 yards. Chase Claypool had a big night, targeted nine times, eight catches, 93 yards. Deontay Johnson, five catches, 76 yards on 10 targets, and one of those targets wound up being a two-point conversion that the Steelers needed late. Uh, so the, the Steelers, again, John, kind of a, a tale of two halves, and the fourth quarter they really did come alive. And from a fantasy perspective, they if you started, if you started the main Steelers, you did pretty well. Yeah, and if Roethlisberger is going to throw for 308 and three touchdowns, you're going to get some good fantasy performances out of Claypool and Johnson and Fryermuth and even James Washington got on, on the action, four for 65 and a touchdown. I know you got some extra snaps because Claypool got benched, I think, after a uh, personal foul. And then Claypool is just getting killed on Twitter for celebrating after a first down with like 35 <laughs> seconds. Uh, I watched the play. and uh, you know, I didn't watch the entire game, but I saw that play and – um, he did just seem like he was celebrating his first down and just had like a brain fart and didn't realize that he needed, like, I don't know that Chase Claypool is like the highest, like awareness score in, in Madden. Like, I don't like, I think, <laughs> I, mean, I, I don't know that like between all the, the, the penalties he's gotten and just kind of the, those kind of plays, he's not the most disciplined 
guy. So he's not like always thinking two or three steps ahead. He's happy about making his first down. He's doing his normal first down dance. And then the lineman comes over and like knocks the ball out of his hand. And it's like a, a clown show trying to get the, the ball uh, <laughs> yeah, back so that the they right. can snap. But he had, uh, so he was, uh, Claypool has been in our breakout receiver model for a while because he's had some kind of quiet games, but he's been targeted a lot. Last week he had three targets, and that was it. But this week he had nine and ended up with eight for 93. So just think about if he had not been benched for like a quarter, what he could have done in this uh, particular game. It was a good matchup against the the Vikings. But a little bit disappointing from Deontay Johnson. It's weird to say that, five for 76. But uh, he's been a – you know, I had him – at wide receiver five this week i just thought this was a very tasty matchup and you know 10 targets for him is actually a little bit on the low side at this point he can get open at will he does struggle with drops here and there he had two touchdowns last week could have had a third uh would have been his first touchdown last week on a bomb um but uh, he's a must start every week he's just a little bit disappointed with five for 76 out of him all right moving forward here let's get into some sneaky starts this week and i'm sure a lot of people are, are tuned in because this is this is a rough week for injuries as we just highlighted uh big ben though let's start with him ben ben roethlisberger's run your quarterback list ended up with good numbers like we talked about who else do you like from a quarterback standpoint I still think I would start Taysom Hill. I know he's got this uh, mallet finger, and it's a little bit worrisome, but it appears that he's uh, going to be able to play through it, and uh, you're really starting him for his rushing yards and rushing ability, not so much his, his passing ability, although he did show uh, last year as a starter that he was capable, uh, you know, 200-plus yards passing uh, pretty frequently as a starter. Uh, not the greatest supporting cast there for him, but I think he's a with the, with the – Upside of 100 yards rushing, like he had last week, he's a he's a good sneaky start. And then I would mention uh, Cam Newton. We don't know exactly what's going to happen with this Panthers uh, offense coming off of a bye. They just fired their offensive coordinator, uh, so things might be a little bit uh, different looking. I think Matt really wanted a more run oriented offense, apparently, as opposed to the past uh, first offense that they had. Uh, so if they do go that route, then Newton might get some called runs for himself, but he's also capable thrower and he's got your Falcons. They're 28th and adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterback. So I think he's a pretty good start this week as well. Uh, yeah, I would say so. Absolutely. And I, I like your call on Taysom Hill too. Nice matchup against the Jets at, at running back. I noticed you listed both Chuba, Chuba Hubbard and Amir Abdullah. Who do you think leads the backfield with Christian McCaffrey out? I have, um, I have Hubbard ranked ahead of Abdullah, but not by that much, not as much as my peers do. I think the general consensus is that Hubbard is the is going to go back to that featured role that he had with McCaffrey out earlier in the year. But I, I took a dive into the into the, into the snaps and stats once they signed uh, Abdullah, and they they signed him uh, one day before their Week Seven game against the Giants, and he didn't play that week and. But in Hubbard's final start in Week 8, Abdullah had 11 touches for 66 yards, so they got him uh, involved pretty quickly. Uh, McCaffrey came back in Week 9, and Abdullah has uh, out-touched uh, Hubbard 23-15, to out-snapped him 31% to 15% in each of the four games since. Like, every game he's out, he's been playing ahead of Hubbard. Uh, Hubbard has had one more carry than Abdullah in that span, so he's maybe the more likely to be carrying the ball on first and second down. But it's fourteen to thirteen, so it was just it was just a one carry margin, and uh, Abdullah had nine more catches, uh, ten to one ratio, uh, and ran forty eight more routes, uh, or no, forty eight routes to Hubbard's thirteen routes 
in that span. So I think in PPR formats and even maybe half PPR formats, Abdullah's got a pretty good chance to lead this backfield. They might just split things down the middle with Abdullah getting the more pass-friendly role, and those those touches tend to be worth more in fantasy. Uh, I just don't think we're going to go back to where Hubbard was maybe seeing 20 touches. I think we're looking at more of a committee. Um, and then when McCaffrey went out in week 12, Abdullah saw the next five backfield opportunities, although four of those came on a two-minute drill, so it looks like he's the two-minute back as well. So uh, I don't think that Hubbard's going to be, or uh, that uh, Abdullah is going to turn into some fantasy RB1, but you might be looking at both these players ranked very similarly, or perhaps Abdullah a bit ahead after this week if we see that Abdullah uh, is the leader in snaps and, and perhaps touches. All right, at wide receiver, KJ Osborne was your top wide receiver. He delivered 80 plus yards and a touchdown last night, so you hit on him as well. Who else do you like from a wide receiver standpoint? Yeah, I think uh, we talked about Julio Jones earlier, but I think Nick Westbrook-Ekine uh, should be a pretty decent start this week against uh, Jacksonville, the 20th and just the fantasy points allowed to receivers. In the two games prior to the Week 13 bye, he uh, posted 7 for 107 on 8 targets, and then he had 2 for 25 and a touchdown on 6 targets, and that was against the Patriots, a tough defense. So uh, he got got into the end zone there, uh, make, make up for kind of a low yardage day. But... Uh, he seems to be the top option other than maybe Julio there. Um, so looking at Ryan Tannehill as a pretty solid player who does throw touchdowns and is fairly productive at home, maybe a Westbrook at kind is your guy. And then I think uh, there was a, a lot of focus on Amon Ross St. Brown because he had a big day. Uh, and I do, I do list him as a sneaky start as well, but that was like his biggest day of the year. And um, he has, just hasn't been all that productive on a consistent basis. Maybe this leads to that for him, but I, I like uh, Josh Reynolds as well. Uh, three for 70 and a touchdown on five targets, uh, four for 69 on seven targets in his two games after being reunited with Jared Goff. Obviously, they played together uh, with the Rams uh, last year and before, so uh, a lot of familiarity there. I think he's a decent start uh, against Denver. All right, who else do you like at, or who do you like at tight end? And when I say like, I mean, realize we're talking about sneaky starts here. So John is really combing through uh, some, maybe some uh, high risk, but high upside players. So from a tight end standpoint, who do you, who do you list as some sneaky starts? Uh, David Njoku's out. He's got COVID, uh, or he, he, I don't know, he's on Twitter saying that he doesn't feel anything and he's like, shake my head. But I mean, that he's asymptomatic, so he should feel lucky about that. But I'm not going to get on my soapbox. As I get off my soapbox, uh, Austin Hooper, I think, with Njoku out, uh, they're just shorthanded at receiver and shorthanded at tight end. I think he's going to play, you know, he might be a 100% snap guy this week or near, like over 90. And Baltimore, they're 18th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends. They've given up 5.8 catches for 68 yards and 0.58 touchdowns on average. Uh, to the position this season. They've been a little bit better late, but I think Hooper is uh, capable of stepping up. And then I mentioned Ricky Seals-Jones. Looks like he's on track to come back, and Logan Thomas, is. if he's not done for the year, he's almost done for the year. Uh, Certainly for the fantasy season, he looks like he's done. Uh, So Seals-Jones, from week four to week eight, uh, with Thomas out, he played nearly every snap for for Washington. He saw 26 targets in five games. Um, You know, they've got a few more weapons now with Curtis Samuel back. I think J.D. McKissick might be back this week, but RSJ is not a bad uh, guy to run out there against Dallas. If Dallas jumps out to a lead, then Washington might have to throw the ball more than they'd like. 
All right, let's 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 get into your breakout receiver model. Last week, you mentioned Chase Claypool, Tyler Lockett, and DK Metcalf. Lockett delivered. Claypool was popping in the model again this week, and he delivered again last night, even though he was benched for, for part of the game. So who's popping this week in this break, breakout receiver model? Well, Metcalf's on there again. I don't know. He's got some foot. He's got a foot injury, and just things that haven't been clicking. But it seems like if he is out there, you kind of have to start him if you have Metcalf. Um, but uh, MVS uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling leads the the model this week, so uh, he's not a bad play against Chicago, uh, especially with Cobb out. Uh, Terry McLaurin is another guy that whenever I see him on the on the model, I my eyes pop a little bit. Uh, he's I think he has – you're looking at uh, Trayvon Diggs uh, for Dallas, uh, big name. He's had some good takeaways and stuff, but he does get beat uh, beat uh, deep, and uh, McLaren has had either huge games or sort of mediocre to bad games, and I think this might be a bigger game for, for him. And Mark Andrews is the number two player after MVS in the model. Uh, he's had a good year, and I think he should have a good week uh, – the usage has, has been there pretty consistently for him. So um, those are the three names that jumped out to me uh, when I looked at the list. All right. Uh, but we wanted to pass along some sad news in case you haven't heard. I woke up to the, the news this morning that, and I know, John, you did the same, that former Broncos wide receiver Demarius Thomas died at his home. He was only 33 years old. He was incredibly young. Uh, the cause of death hasn't been disclosed. There's been some reports speculating things. We won't do that here. We don't know why he passed, but again, our condolences go out certainly to Demarius Thomas's family, John. Yeah, and he was, uh, my memories of him are just a baller. Like uh, he and uh, Emmanuel Sanders for the for the Broncos were such a good duo, and uh, it's really sad that uh, he passed away at such a young age. Uh, certainly. I, I'll always remember his his catch against uh, the Steelers in the playoff game from Tim Tebow that helped propel them into the next round against the Patriots. But uh, he certainly had a lot more highlight highlight real plays throughout his career. So, again, condolences to the Demaris, to Demaris Thomas's family. All right, that'll do it for this week. 444.com is the most accurate podcast. Don't forget to check out 444.com. you got John's rankings, the sneaky starts, a lot of great betting and DFS information as well there. So if you're not a subscriber, no better time than to do it right now uh, hey ask ask for it for christmas right if you're looking for that gift how about a subscription uh to 444.com john, you can follow john paulson on twitter at 444 underscore john you can follow me as well at anthony stalter we'll return next week for 444.com good luck if you're playing in the playoffs this week or need a win to get in the playoffs and uh, again we'll be, we'll return next week on the on 444.com it's the most accurate podcast